0: Welcome to the Concord Online Podcast. Each week, we're going to be bringing you sermons from Concord to be a resource for you to live on mission with us, to inspire people to follow Jesus. Man, let's give the Lord praise for our time of worship. Man, it is so good just to be together in the Lord's presence. And man, now we're excited to study the Word. Grab your Bible, go to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1 It's in the Old Testament Joshua Judges Ruth, if you're looking for it that way, there's no shame in the table of contents, it's a tiny little book, so hopefully you'll find it. Hey listen, as you're turning there, a couple things that I just want to encourage you with, and first is, man, Christmas Eve services next Sunday, Uh, don't forget them, All right. So uh, there's a service at 915, 11, 130, and 3. All right, 915, 11, 1, 30, and 3. And all four services are identical, okay? So if you come at nine fifteen, it's going to be the same service if you come at 3 o'clock. And so all day, it's a 45-minute service. And so, man, bring your kids. Bring everybody. That's kind of uh, the, the vibe on Christmas Eve. Uh, bring kids. I remember a couple years ago, there was a child rolling down the center aisle. So, like, we're good. All right, like, it's going to be fun. Uh, and we'll, we'll have a great time together. It'll be a special moment with my family and our kids. We'll sing some traditional carols. We'll hear a message from God's Word. Uh, we'll finish singing Silent Night with our candles. It's a beautiful time. And then we'll spend the next six months trying to get the candle wax off the chairs. All right? And so that's how that goes. But uh, but really, honestly, like this is the perfect time, man, to bring some unchurched friends and neighbors. All right? And really want to urge you, man, if, if, if you're kind of... Um, Thinking, all right, who could I invite? Like, who, who is it that's not connected to a church and have them here on Christmas Eve? You can get those cards, uh, invite cards. They're kind of notes that you write to them at, at all the doors as you leave today. It's uh, just a simple invite that you can handwrite on there, of like, "Hey, love to have you at Christmas Eve." There's a QR code that sends them to all the details, like all that stuff. Grab those and let's inspire people uh, to follow Jesus this year. So it will be a wonderful, wonderful Sunday next Sunday, and hope and pray uh, that you'll be here, Ruth. When we study the genealogy of Jesus, we see some ladies' names in there, and we've been studying those names. You had Tamar, you had Rahab, and now you have Ruth. And I am so thankful uh, that Ruth was not like Tamar and Rahab. Uh, but uh, but you know, we, we've been studying these the last three weeks, and man, it's just been kind of uncomfortable for all of us. But but they've taught us about the hope of Christmas. They've taught us about the peace of Christmas, and. Ruth today is going to teach us about the joy of Christmas, specifically joy in hard times, because Ruth goes through a very difficult season, but yet she's able to maintain her joy. And it seems as though Christmas time always. It just amplifies emotions. That's this time of year. Don't don't you feel that way? Like things that don't bother you in February or April, they bother you in December, right? Like you're like, man, like it's Christmas. How could they do that? Or it's Christmas. How could they do that? You know, like you you just kind of everything is amplified around Christmas time. You know, everybody wants everything just to be perfect for the family gatherings and experiences. Like it's the most wonderful time of year. uh, Except for so many of us, it's really the most difficult time of year. It's the most difficult time of year because of happenings and circumstances and situations. Maybe you've lost a loved one this year and you're going through such a hard time uh, having your first Christmas without them. Uh, maybe there's a diagnosis and you're like, man, is this my last Christmas? Like, like you're having all of those feelings. Maybe, maybe it's that your kids aren't coming like you thought they'd be coming to Christmas. Like, like whatever your feelings are about this time of year, Ruth shows us. That joy is not determined by your circumstances, but joy is found in faith, joy is experienced in grace, and joy is accomplished or realized, I guess I should say, in the faithfulness of God. So I hope today to point you to the grace of God, I hope today to point you to the faithfulness of God, I hope that it call you to faith in God so that you can have a joy that Christmas is all about. When I think about the difficulties of life, I I often think back to these words that Warren Wiersbe wrote. Wiersbe said this. he, He said, when trouble comes into our lives, we can do one of three things. We can endure it, we can escape it, or we can enlist it. If we endure our trials, Wiersbe continued, then the trials become our master, and we have a tendency to become harsh and bitter. If we try to escape our trials, then we will miss the purpose that God wants to teach us through the trial. But if we learn to enlist our trial, then our trial will become our servant instead of our master and and God will work in us to teach us through our trial. And this has become a filter that I personally use in all the difficulties, all right? Like, am I going to endure this and let this difficulty be my master and leave me harsh and bitter? Am I going to escape it and run from this trial or difficulty and not learn anything? Or I'm going to enlist this so that I can become complete in Christ through the trial and difficulty. And when we look at Ruth, we see two ladies, Ruth and Naomi, and we see them responding to trials in very different ways. You see, the story of Ruth is, starts with the story of a man named Elimelech. Aren't you glad your mom didn't name you that, uh, but Elimelech was a Jewish man who lived in Bethlehem. And there was a famine in Bethlehem. And what's interesting is Bethlehem is, it means, it, it means a house of bread. And so this place that is supposed to be the house of bread is experiencing a famine. In Old Testament times, God will use a famine to try and discipline his people and get their attention. And so in this trial of a famine, God's trying to get the people of Israel's attention. But Elimelech, he escapes the trial. He doesn't even try to endure it. He doesn't try to enlist it. He escapes it. And so Elimelech takes his family and he moves to the land of the Moabites. He moves to Moab. While there, his two sons take Moabite wives. Now, it's interesting because in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, as God is giving the law for Judah, or the law for Israel, one of the things that he says is that anyone from the land of Moab could not fellowship in the congregation of the Jews. So put that in your mind's eye, like like here's Elimelech and he's taking his family to Moab and he allows his sons to take Moabite wives, which means his sons' wives can never be welcomed into the community of faith in Judah. I mean, talk about the fruit of running from your trial, now they can never return, Elimelech and his sons die in the land of Moab, which leaves Naomi, Elimelech's wife, and two daughters-in-law. And she begins to talk with the daughter-in-laws. Say, hey, you need to return to your fathers. Don't put up with this. Like, don't go through this. This is just too difficult. Like, Why would you come here? Like, You, you need to go, go back to your fathers because what Naomi understood was Naomi understood that she could then go back to Judah to reestablish herself in Bethlehem. If she could get these Moabite women to go back to their fathers in the land of Moab, she could come back, and it wouldn't be as embarrassing. And one of the daughters-in-law goes back to her fathers but Ruth. Ruth makes one of the most majestic statements in all of Scripture about her faith in God. Ruth began to understand and recognize that she was no longer like the people of Moab, but she had become like Naomi and the people of Israel. Something has happened. We don't necessarily understand when she began to fear the Lord, but we understand that, that through her relationship with Naomi, she had become more like the Jewish people than like the people of Moab. And so Ruth is like, I'm not going back to these people. They have nothing for me. I'm not going back to these people. This is not my future. My future is with you. And she makes this incredible statement that we're going to study together today. Stay with me and let's study it together. Ruth chapter 1. Verse 15, Ruth chapter 1, verse 15, and she, that's Naomi, Naomi said, see your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go, where you lodge, I will lodge, and your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Skip down to chapter 2, verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. And the Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given, given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. And then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servants, though I am not one of your servants. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. So you've got this confession in chapter one and you've got this story of God providing in chapter two. If we had time to study chapter three and chapter four, we'd understand like what God is doing in this moment is just remarkable. That he's redeeming Ruth and that Boaz is acting honorably as we were introduced to him in chapter two. But this Story is a story of great tragedy, of great difficulty. I mean, it doesn't look from the outside end to be a story of joy, but what we can begin to understand about Ruth is that she had found something different. She had found something that no one else could understand. Like she was clinging to faith when everyone else was just trying to see what God might do. You see, when you really think about it, what we understand about Elimelech is that he was reacting to the circumstances of life by sight, not by faith. You know, the scripture tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. But what Elimelech was doing was he was reacting to the happenings of life. Friends, if you react to the happenings of life, it will sap your joy. Like the joy that Jesus gives you is not determined by what happens to you. It is completely secure in who he is. And so if Jesus is joy, I don't allow my circumstances to dictate how I feel or how I act. I'm settled in him. And this is how Ruth lived. Like see the difference in Elimelech's response to trouble and Ruth's response to trouble. For Elimelech, he's like, I'm escaping this. But obviously Ruth had enlisted her trial, the death of her husband. She had enlisted her trial, the fact that she'd never be welcomed into the congregation of Jerusalem or or in Judah. She she welcomed this and enlisted this trial and God did such a work in her that we know her as the great-grandmother of King David, heir or in the lineage of Jesus Christ the King. You see, Ruth is listed in Matthew 1 in that genealogy of Jesus because God orchestrated the steps of her story Not that she would be left alone in the land of Moab, but that she would be engrafted in because of the grace of Almighty God. So what can we learn today? How should we act today? What about these two chapters should show us the joy that's possible in Jesus? First, it's it's understanding that joy is possible in times of sorrow. Joy is possible in times of sorrow. So, Naomi is returning to Bethlehem. There's no sense that her return to Bethlehem is because of repentance in her heart. It's really the sense of she knows nothing else to do. There's this sense with Naomi that she's just kind of wandering around through trial and difficulty, and she's just enduring. If, If Elimelech tried to escape the trial, you would say, Naomi was trying to endure the trial and it had become her master. So much so in, in chapter one, verse 20 and 21, when she goes back to Jerusalem, she said to them, the ladies of Jerusalem, or goes back to Bethlehem rather. She says to them in Bethlehem, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. She said, why call me Naomi. When the Lord has testified against me and the almighty has brought calamity upon me. Like Naomi did not sense that it was possible for her to have joy in her current state. I mean, her very words are like, hey, the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. He's been harsh towards me. Like all she can process is the pain that she feels. But yet we have Ruth, this woman who is outside the congregation, who is willing to make this beautiful statement of faith that will not leave Naomi and walks back into Bethlehem with her head held high, although she knows she's not going to be welcomed into the congregation. Like what a different response. If Elimelech is escaping and if Naomi is enduring, we're watching Ruth enlist this trial so that she can become who God wants her to become. Remember today, old church, that God's goal for you is not a comfortable and easy life. God's goal for you is that you would be found complete in Christ. And when you set your gaze on being complete in Christ, then you receive the joy that he can give. Joy is possible in times of sorrow because you're not defined by your time of sorrow. You're receiving a gift from almighty God. And what Ruth was receiving is very simply the grace of God. I mean, she has experienced trials and disappointments, but instead of blaming God, she's trusting God. She is walking by faith. She's living beyond what she can comprehend and understand. She is not like Elimelech, who's being driven by his sight. She is one who is an example for us of what it means to walk by faith. She did not know what it was gonna be like when she got back to Bethlehem. She did not know if she had a future there. She did not know if it was going to work out good or bad. She could be left for dead on the roadside in Bethlehem. All of that was possible. But all that she knew was that she believed in the God of Naomi. And she's like, your God's going to be my God. Your people's going to be my people. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to put my eyes on the Lord. I'm going to rest in his grace see Ruth's conversion is evidence of the grace of God and the grace of God is the only way a sinner can be saved Ephesians 2 verse 8 the scripture says for by grace you've been saved through faith it's not of your own doing it's the gift of God not a result of works so no one can boast like like Ruth is an old testament example of the grace of God that she was welcomed in and brought into the family of God Ruth, she dearly loved her mother-in-law, but she was not allowing her mother-in-law to determine the circumstances of her faith. Like she was walking with Naomi, but Naomi was not walking the life of faith. Naomi was just trying to go home and find some food. But Ruth is walking this life of faith in spite of what's happening around her. Like she, she loves her mother-in-law and she's taking care of her mother-in-law. But what Ruth understands is that God is up to something much bigger than just that what she can comprehend in the moment. It's fate. It's, it's not sight. She's experienced what Paul wrote about in Titus three. In Titus three, the scripture says he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Like Ruth recognized that she was experiencing the mercy of God as she was brought into this family and as she was cared for so intently. Or how about what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2 about God, how he desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so what Ruth understood is that she qualified in the all people and that God was drawing her. God was calling her and she was casting her lot and she was declaring her life to be a part of the God of Israel. She's like these gods in the land of Moab hold nothing to what the God of Israel holds. I go with him. And she was welcomed in by grace. See, friends, if we want to experience joy in sorrow times, we've got to rest in the grace of God. When we're going through difficulties, we just feel like everybody's against us. When we we go through long seasons of trouble, we get harsh and bitter because it's like, will the end ever come? We're just enduring. But when we enlist these trials, we can believe that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it, Philippians 1. And if he's going to complete his work in us, I can endure my trial because my attitude is not dependent upon my circumstances. My attitude is dependent upon the one who has rescued me and offered his grace. And this is how joy is possible in times of sorrow. Second, notice with me that joy is found in faith in God. Joy is found in faith in god the action step of this passage is for ruth to get active in seeing what god would do in bethlehem you see look at chapter 2 verse 1 naomi knew of this worthy man named boaz so what happens in in verse 2, she's like, The Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go and glean among the ears of grain. Ruth's faith was not a faith that sat back and waited to see what God would do. Ruth's faith was a faith that took God at his word and acted accordingly. Like she wasn't waiting on God to kind of show up and pave the way. When she learned about this worthy man named Boaz, when she learned about this idea of a kinsman redeemer, like when she learned about what could be happening and what God would be doing, like she just says, let me get in this field and glean. So gleaning was an activity that took place around the edges of the field. The harvesters would come through and according to the law, like the Jewish law of the time, they would leave the edges of the field. Most times the edges of the field were the places that it wasn't the most fertile soil, so it wasn't the best crop but it was this outcroppings. It was, it was a place that travelers could go and get something to eat. And so foreigners would come and glean. And so it was very natural for Ruth to be like, hey, I'm a foreigner here. I'm gonna go into Boaz. He's, he's a family member of the clan of Elimelech. Like I'm gonna go into Boaz land. He's not gonna run me off. He's gonna let me glean here. But Boaz had heard all that Ruth had done for Naomi how she had accompanied her home, most likely how she was caring for her, how now she's out in the field working. And so Boaz begins to take these steps to show Ruth his love and care for her. So much so that he would even leave out a little extra grain so that as she was gleaning in the fields, that she would be able to pick up more than she probably ought to. And so he's providing, he's caring. And one night, Ruth goes to Boaz and asks him, to be her Redeemer. Now, the the idea of a Redeemer is all through Scripture, but particularly in the Old Testament. The idea of a Redeemer was a male relative who, according to various laws of the Old Testament, had the privilege or, or the responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble. So you had a relative who was in trouble, who was in danger, who had a need, and And the kinsman redeemer is one of the same family who would go and rescue and redeem the property or the person. And so what Naomi understood was that Boaz, because he was a worthy man, would understand his responsibility to care for them. And so as Ruth goes to Boaz and asks him to be the redeemer, he understands and Boaz knows that there's a closer relative. And he needs to go and get permission of that relative To redeem them. And so he goes and he meets with that relative. You can read about it in chapter 3. And he ends up securing to where he could be the redeemer for Ruth. And he comes and he redeems her. And at this moment, Ruth's uncertain future was very certain. Ruth's status in society completely changed. And it all started with her faith in God. Like she did not know what God might do. Like we read the story of Ruth and it's like, oh yeah, Boaz, redeemer. But Ruth is living this by faith and she's finding joy in the journey because God is working in her behalf. And so Boaz redeems her. He takes Ruth as his wife. They have a son named Obed, grandfather of King David. Like God delivered Ruth, and then God used Ruth. When you take a step back from this story, you see over and over again that the people of God crying out to God to defend them all through the Old Testament. There are these examples of rescuers who were weak, they're these examples of, of people coming and trying, but they all fall short until you get to the New Testament in Jesus. You can see the story of Ruth and Boaz as he redeems her and gives her an identity and gives her a standing and gives her a place. Like, like the story of Ruth and Boaz is exactly what God did to you and me through Jesus Christ. And so this story points us to the finished work of Christ, that if we would walk by faith in Jesus, we would find the same joy that Ruth found. That if we would walk by faith in Jesus, that we would experience the blessing of God just as Ruth did. That if we'd walk by faith in Jesus, we'd have an identity, we'd have a purpose, we'd have security, we'd have hope, we'd have peace, and we'd walk in his joy. See, it's faith in Jesus that unlocks the joy of heaven in our soul. So man, joy is possible in times of sorrow because joy is not dependent upon my circumstances. Joy is a gift given to me when I have faith in Jesus Christ. Finally today, recognize that joy is realized in the faithfulness of God. I think it's my favorite part of this passage. Like Boaz just went to work, man. Like, I I love that. Like, Boaz wasn't like, oh, I don't know, you're expensive. (laughs) But but Boaz wasn't like, but you're from Moab. Like, Boaz had no qualifier. Boaz was just like, let me go take care of this. So he goes to the city gates, and as the relative was coming in, he tells the story and says, you're the redeemer. And as tradition would hold, he was like, hey, I, I, I can't redeem her. And so they actually traded sandals. How about that? Like that was the sign, the seal. Like Boaz gave up his shoe and so did the other guy. I'm glad we've moved on from that tradition. It'd be weird y'all walking around with a bunch of mismatched shoes. But Boaz said, like, I am accomplishing this today and when you really begin to think about it that's exactly what god has done for us in jesus christ how how can we be so confident in the joy of christmas because of the faithfulness of god because from the very beginning of time he planned to send the messiah to rescue us jesus who died in our place and rose from the grave who gives us the gift of salvation, who will one day return for his church. Like this faithful God has promised joy and he has delivered on his promise every time. You see, joy is realized not in my ability and not in my circumstances, but in the faithfulness of God. Why can I be filled with joy when the world seems to be falling apart? Because God is faithful. Why can I be filled with joy although there's a cancer diagnosis or a difficulty that I'm enduring because of the faithfulness of God? Why can I be filled with joy although my family's a wreck? Because of the faithfulness of God, my friends, you can walk with real and lasting joy. Like one author wrote it like this. He, he said a story that began in poverty, famine, and exile leads to the throne of David and to the Messiah. For the son born to Ruth was one through whom multitudes would be born again. Like who writes that story other than God? From poverty, from famine, from exile to the birth of one who would save multitudes from their sin. Only A faithful God will do that. And only a faithful God will give you joy that is not dependent on circumstances. Like, think about it. Like, like God could have left Naomi and Ruth in Moab. God could have crushed them when they returned to Bethlehem. But instead, he showed them grace, and they responded to grace with faith. And as they responded to his grace with faith, he was faithful to give them a place and a future and bring them joy. And when you think about it, this is the testimony of God through all the Old Testament. Like think about the prophet Jeremiah. In Lamentations 3, Jeremiah was in the lowest place of his life. Everything had gone wrong, but from the pit of despair, he wrote in Jeremiah three twenty two that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How could he make a statement like, great is the faithfulness of God from the pit of despair? Because he had experienced the joy that Jesus can give. Or how about Job? Remember Job? Like he had everything. He had wealth, he had family influence, and he lost it all. Because of Satan's attacks on his life, like he lost everything. In Job 13, 15, he says, though he slay me, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. Like I love that. Job's like, man, I'm taking my complaints to the Lord, yet I hope in him. Like this is someone who's experiencing joy from a faithful God. He's like, man, like I'm gonna tell him when I'm not happy with what he's doing to me, but it's not gonna change what I feel about my God. How about the prophet Habakkuk? Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Brothers and sisters, these examples are examples of people from total calamity declaring their joy in the Lord. Let their example remind you of our faithful God. Rest in his grace. Walk by faith and not by sight because your faithful God will give you his joy. And Christmas... Is a manifestation of the joy that he wants to give. Thanks for joining us this week on the Concord Online Podcast. If you have any questions surrounding today's sermon or simply want to learn more, you can do so at concordonline.org. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with each weekly release.